Today on this episode of the Going Deeper podcast, we are super thrilled to have Dr. Sandy Richter in the studio with us, as well as Jennifer McDonald, uh, sitting in because Sandy has been with us this weekend at Trinity and teaching us and leading us and preaching for us. And we're going to have a great conversation about what does it take to write a Bible study and where do you get the inspiration to write Bible studies. I'm your host, Kyle McCaskill. I'm Jennifer McDonald. And I'm Sandy Richter. So join us as we go deeper. So welcome to Trinity, and it has been so much fun getting to to know you in person. I feel like a lot of us here feel like we know you <laughs> because we've done so many of your Bible studies, and our, our time here, your time here, has been just totally delightful. Oh, I'm glad uh, so to hear that. I, I want to thank you for taking time out of your Sunday after church, after mm. lunch, to, to sit in the studio and just chat with us a little bit. Uh, well, so. I'm so grateful to be here. So thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. And I have had a lovely time at Trinity. Well, good. So, yeah. We try to be hospitable and, and polite and everything. You're knocking it out of the park, actually. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, but, good. Between... Uh, fabulous meals and gifts in my hotel room and my own personal king cake. Come on. It doesn't, is, it doesn't get much better than this. It's really hard to beat the king cake, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so one of the things that I was really interested in, because I, I talked to you briefly about the the origins of this podcast that we do and mm. how you know, me and Marie and Becky would sit around and just kind of hash out, you know, questions with scripture and wrestling mm-hmm. with this commentary versus that commentary. And Ooh. so we we started recording the conversations, and that's mm-hmm. how the podcast started. Uh, and so I guess one of my big questions for you, somebody who has written multiple Bible studies, mm-hmm. you, you teach Old Testament curriculum, or, or have taught it uh, for however many years, Yes. Uh, then... What's your process? Is there a process or are there certain things that you always do or certain things that you never do? Hmm. That's a great question. Uh, The process is evolving. Mm -hmm. And the more I do this, the more there becomes an actual process. So when we started with uh, understanding the Old Testament, which is the overview of Epic of Eden, uh, what the the situation was that I had already written the book, The Epic of Eden, and I had been using that material in uh, adult education in a bajillion different settings. So uh, in using that material, over the years, it had evolved into a weekend intensive. And the weekend intensive was really great for that material because the whole gig is taking a group of people from Eden to the New Jerusalem mm-hmm. and showing them how the story actually goes together from the Eden to the New Jerusalem and using the covenantal framework and organizing their closets and mm-hmm. all of those catchwords that now belong to me. Right, right. right. So I had been doing that all over the country and there'd been too many weekends away and uh, and it was very effective and always I would 
just have this stellar response mm -hmm. from whatever church or conference or camp was involved because people want to understand their Bibles and they mm -hmm. want to put their Bibles together. So that evolved into um, a, a late night conversation with J.D. Walt, mm -hmm. who is the director of Seedbed um, mm -hmm. Media Resources. And he was just launching Seedbed and we were friends and worked together at Asbury. And I was bemoaning the fact that I had a day job uh, I had two babies at home. I had a husband who liked to see me periodically. Uh, I needed to sleep um, sometimes. Uh, there was this publication schedule. And I could literally be gone every weekend mm -hmm. doing this overview. And that was when kind of both Seedbed and the video curriculums was born. Mm -hmm. JD said to me, well, why don't we film it? And I was like, yeah. Film it. Who wants to watch an Old Testament professor? He's like, oh, girl, you have no idea where, you know, what lives had. So that whole process of doing the first one mm -hmm. was all of us just figuring it out. Yeah. Um, I had the curriculum, and it was very uh, well tried, you know, tested and tried. I'd used it many, many times. I knew it worked. I knew it didn't work. I, I, I could break it into different time segments, all because I'd had to do it right. for churches and conferences and camps and, and youth programs and you name it. Mm -hmm. So that part was done. But figuring out what a study guide looked like, figuring out what to put in a study guide, mm -hmm. um, figuring out how to film it, how to break it into film, how to make it uh, accessible and easily utilized mm -hmm. by an adult discipleship program. Oh my gosh, that was, <laughs> that, that was trial and error, yeah. that part. But the, the end product of that original Epic mm -hmm. of Eden study, mm -hmm. it, you would never know that y'all were just <laughs> shooting from the hip, I guess. I mean, or... Oh just trying stuff mm -hmm. out to see what would work because it, it turned out so good. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad to hear that. Uh, we did wind up actually completely rewriting the study guide. Mm -hmm. We thought we could hire out, uh, and for a lot of reasons. One was my own schedule, and 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 in, in other Bible studies, people do. They'll hire someone else to write the study guide. Well, that didn't work, and I, I wasn't at all satisfied with the product. And honestly, I'd love to redo that study guide, and maybe I'll do that in the next 10 years. Yeah. Um, but we, in that process, we developed a format, and uh, the the headings that have now become so familiar mm -hmm. to our students, you know, the first contact or, um, you know, uh, diving deeper, all that sort of thing. That, that was when it was established. So at that point, it was a matter of, uh, there was a backlog of material that I'd been doing mm -hmm. with churches and retreats and, and lay settings that could be transformed into film studies. Yeah. So... Jonah and Ruth and Isaiah in many ways were ready to go. Mm -hmm. um, there were a lot of shifts at Seedbed that made some of those things more challenging. Um, 
one of the things we decided along the way was having five studies, you know, per week was too much, mm -hmm. that very few groups could actually do five studies. So then we dialed it back to three, and then we started getting feedback that it wasn't enough. So uh, with the Psalms curriculum, I think we have three required and um, a bonus study every oh, week. Yeah, so you yeah, can yeah. do four, but you don't have to feel guilty about yeah. doing four. I, I would be the one that didn't feel guilty about not doing the bonus. Okay, good, 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 <laughs> good. So, and, and that rhythm seems to have worked very well. And, uh, and, and with each study, we've learned and refined. Mm -hmm. And uh, so for myself at this point, I still have a backlog. Yeah. I could, I could do Amos and Micah tomorrow if oh, I wow. needed to. I would love to see Micah. Would you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's got one of my favorite mm -hmm. verses in it. You probably know which one. And Micah 6 8, that's I'm going to guess. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, it is a very popular one. And there's not a lot of studies or preaching, even Sunday school lessons, done about the prophets, mm -hmm. especially the minor prophets. Um, like, of course, you hear about Jeremiah and uh, some Isaiah, mainly, I'm, I'm just speaking from experience mm -hmm. growing up, mm -hmm. but um, Isaiah, like the only thing I knew about Isaiah was his uh, like prediction mm -hmm. of Jesus's birth, mm -hmm. but that's basically it. So there's not, I have very little knowledge about the minor prophets, especially. That's, that's good feedback for me to hear, because mm -hmm. I, I forget these things. And mm -hmm. I'm thinking in terms of, really, does anyone need another Bible study on Micah and Amos? Because, mm -hmm. of course, they're considered the social justice prophets, and mm -hmm. um, we are, you know, that is our cultural moment. Mm -hmm. But... Yeah. So all that to say, I do still have backlog. Okay. Um, <laughs> That's good news for us. Um, <laughs> one, one of the arenas where I wind up with my very first run of any sort of curriculum is going to be Redwood Christian Park, which is this family camp that we've been associated mm -hmm. with for 20 years. And we've gotten to the place, despite my many protests, where they want me and only me as their Bible teacher. Oh, wow. Mm. Which means I have to come up with a new curriculum every summer. Oh, wow. And So where is that located? It is in the mountains of Santa Cruz, California. Oh, wow. I bet it's beautiful. It, it is beautiful. Is this the one that you mentioned in your psalm study? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. And it uh, launched its life, its life as a Methodist camp meeting. Mm -hmm. Um it, for those who aren't on the West Coast, the Methodist Church is not doing terribly well on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. And so our beloved family camp is, is having to network itself into uh, the newest Wesleyan revival, basically. Okay. So as so many ministries these days, they're in some ways recreating themselves. But apparently I'm a permanent fixture. So uh, <laughs> that's where a lot of this stuff is birthed. Mm -hmm. And um, then it, it gets refined. So as Trinity has been experiencing, uh, this Deborah Judges curriculum is one that I'm playing with right now. Right. And having to create it, having to, 
loving to create right. it for a live audience of folk who have done a bunch of the epic studies, you know, Thank God for Trinity UMC. <laughs> um, so I brought my curriculum here. Mm-hmm. We've had all these wonderful, passionate Christ followers who invested. And I'm going home with a file folder full of suggestions and, hey, mm-hmm. d- d- tweak this. Hey, emphasize that. And that's really helpful to me. Oh, well, good. I'm glad that uh, we have people that were comfortable enough to, yep. to offer good constructive criticism and suggestions. Mm-hmm. Uh, that and some really funny titles. Oh, yes. Yep. Which yeah. we're going to have to work on those, too. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. So Pearson is one of my best friends, uh-huh. uh, probably my best friend in Ruston. Okay. Uh, and, of course, married to Jennifer. Yes. So <laughs> he, he is very good at that. I think I have 12 from him, 12 potential titles. He went easy on you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes. Okay. Oh, yes. So I think that's going to be very fun. Mm-hmm. And so, honestly, when I did the Ruth curriculum, I did something similar. I had a very well-established curriculum that I'd done a number of times, but I took that curriculum to a neighborhood Bible study, and my neighborhood was a mixed bag of uh, Christians, non-Christians, and hell-no Christians. Um, And having those people sitting in my living room studying the book of Ruth, I gained so much insight Mm -hmm. into writing a curriculum for seekers and was reminded of, hey, these people don't know the Bible has a table of contents. They have no idea that Ruth has got her own book. Mm -hmm. Um, They have no idea that Hezekiah doesn't have his own book. Um, So they wrote a bunch of questions for me, too, and helped me to remember what it felt like not to know. Mm -hmm. So that's built into the Ruth curriculum. That the Ruth study was so good because you've got the whole story of Ruth and Boaz, which Mm -hmm. uh, our friend Becky, that's Mm -hmm. like a very, you know, pivotal story for her. Okay. uh, Just because, and I remember when we were in Kentucky with her Mm -hmm. and she came over to our house after going to your class and hearing about the Kinsman Redeemer. Uh Uh-huh. And, like, she was weeping at how beautiful it was. And so because of your impact on her and then Mm. her turnaround impact on us, like, that's kind of also become something that in our Mm. family we we love that. My daughter, uh, who is nine, loves that whole story. You know, she's been reading through that. You know, she read Ruth, and I think just recently she read Esther with with Mm -hmm. my wife. But... You know, so so having these examples and having this material that helps it come alive for us mm. is so beneficial as for me as a parent because now I can help my kids oh. dig deeper. And there's nothing better than that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm so grateful to hear <laughs> that those materials are having that impact. When it's, for me, all of these various studies have have a story behind them, where I was and what I was doing when I was prepping them, and the various junctures where I was teaching them or in engaging um, churches or students or missions organizations. And so every time these studies come up, every time I revisit them, there's a host of 
the faithful who are standing behind the studies. In fact, I, I don't know if you've noticed, but I, I dedicate every study to the people that I learned this with. And, okay. and that is very, very true. Okay. That that's I must have, have missed that. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's in the dedication page. Uh-huh. Who reads that? Yes. But I do because that's how this feels. Mm-hmm. And what I've organized around the Deborah curriculum that I'm working on is I have four or five speaking engagements in the next six months, eight months, where I'll do this curriculum again, and which means I'll figure out what connects, what doesn't mm-hmm. connect. I'll figure out what, hey, you're interested in that, and you're the only one, so maybe <laughs> that should go. Um, and, and watching and experiencing an audience respond to a study for me, that's how I figure out, okay, that's where the Holy Spirit is. That's where the message is. Yeah. That's what people have to take home from this. Which, of course, that's the magic, right? right? right. Is mm-hmm. where this story actually meets us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's probably the difference that I, the, the different sense that I get from a lot of these studies is the it's very apparent your heart mm. for not just the material, but for the message. Mm. Um, and I, like, I remember being blown away at the end of every Epic of Eden uh, study and how you would always bring it back to the new Testament tie in. Mm. It's like, it's, there's mm-hmm. just beauty in that. Mm. And, and we forget that so many times. My first introduction to you mm-hmm. was uh, when we joined uh, Becky's small group, mm-hmm. and she had just started your Jonah study. Mm. We were just we were doing that, and this was like right before the pandemic. And I remember my opinion of Jonah changing because mm. in the past I had thought of him as like I thought he was just a big coward, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like he was just kind of a sellout, just yeah. like. Maybe some laziness, like, nah, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. But, like, you helped put it into perspective. I don't remember if, if I kind of drew these parallels myself or if, 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 I, if you actually mentioned them. But just, like, imagine yourself going to New York City mm-hmm. or Los Angeles and telling everybody there, hey, if you don't change, mm-hmm. if you don't yeah. repent, mm-hmm. God is going to destroy you. And... <laughs> Yeah. That made me feel so terrified uh-huh. because that is <laughs> that is the last thing I would want to do. So it's uh-huh. like, I don't blame Jonah. Mm-hmm. I would have done the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jonah gained a lot of sympathy mm-hmm. from me. Mm-hmm. No, that's so. interesting that it would be the big city part of it that mm-hmm. captures you. Um, for me, it was getting to know the Assyrians. Yeah. And... Um, not only getting to know the Assyrians, but realizing that as a citizen of the Northern Kingdom, Jonah had watched the fallout of their violence over and over again. That this wasn't, like, for example, I'm afraid of ISIS, Mm -hmm. but I've never had any personal encounters with ISIS. Right. Jonah was afraid of the Assyrians, Mm -hmm. and he'd had personal encounters with the Assyrians, Big surprise, he gets on a boat and tries to disappear. And 
<laughs> would I have done any different? Yeah, probably not. Yeah, because mm -hmm. God was calling him to go to their mothership. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about the communities of faith and the stories that are linked to these curriculums for me, for me, the first time I ever taught on Jonah was at the Missions Society annual event. Really? Yeah, oh. many years ago. Oh. And they, I was no one, and they did not yet know my name. I was not part of the tribe. Mm -hmm. And they'd heard a wreck from someone, and they pulled me in to do this little gig on Jonah. And I'm standing in front of this crowd full of missionaries. And I'm, I'm the honored one who gets to recite the words. And I'm telling the story of Jonah. And one of the things I did with these missionaries is... I put the map of Nineveh and Jonah, Jonah's mission up and how he was terrified and, and he hated these people mm -hmm. and he had good reason to hate these mm -hmm. people. And then I overlaid the modern map. So Nineveh is Mosul and oh. we had wow. just come out of one of our more recent Persian Gulf type of crises. Mm -hmm. And I was standing in front of people who had literally put their lives on the line mm -hmm. to bring the message to the, to the people on this planet that I was most afraid of and in many ways hated the most mm -hmm. and standing in front of, who knows, 600 missionaries, I completely lost it. Oh, wow. Like the kind of losing it where there's nothing like there's nothing Hollywood about this mm -hmm. moment. Mm -hmm. This is snot and oh. sob, and you can't get your voice back over the profundity of what he did, mm -hmm. even though he didn't want to, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, and even though he didn't do it elegantly, mm -hmm. but he did it. And so when I think about the Jonah curriculum, that's one of the memories that comes flooding back to me. Mm -hmm. And now when I think about the Deborah curriculum, it will be... Trinity United Methodist Church in Ruston, Louisiana. And a king cake. And king cake and frog legs. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So. Mm -hmm. All right. So one of the phrases that you use a ton that I just absolutely love is, and you may have to correct me on okay. it, but it's real people, uh, real places. Real faith. Real faith. Yeah. Okay. That whole notion. Mm -hmm. Because I think being so detached from that culture mm -hmm in modern America, mm -hmm. it is very easy for us to just view a lot of that stuff as story, yes. mm -hmm. narrative, yeah. and not necessarily historical. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. But then being reminded that these were real people. Mm -hmm. And then another one of my favorite words that if you go back and listen to any of our old podcast episodes, you'll hear me use the word ethnocentric more than ah, once. Yes, it's a good <laughs> word. Yes. Uh, and to really put that into perspective mm -hmm. of we can't judge ourselves as better than them because mm -hmm. we know more than they do, they did right. then. We're so advanced. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and so just being able to have that frame of reference mm -hmm. to me makes, again, so much difference in how you approach Scripture, mm -hmm. how you, not just the books that you've taught on, but all of it. Yes. Uh, yes. And being able to now kind of decipher with the tools that you've given us mm -hmm. through your studies to, to go read the book of Joshua mm -hmm. and say, okay, well, well, wait a second. Let's talk about this or, or you know, any of the other books in the Old Testament. You can even do it in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
So of course, that's you're, you're not as uh, that's not your um, forte. That your forte, right? Yeah, I do yeah. read the New Testament. Oh, I'm sure you do. <laughs> it's very clear that you do. <laughs> Sometimes, <laughs> but you know, not as much. Uh-huh. But you've you've tagged, I think, two critical messages. Not not just out of Epic of Eden, but honestly, out of my teaching career. Uh, the real people, real places, real faith. Um, it, let me dial this back. I teaching at Westmont College now. Uh, although we require our our faculty and our staff to sign faith statements to teach at our little Christian liberal arts college, we don't require our students to. Mm-hmm. So I will always have a mixed bag of students sitting in front of me at this point, which is great. Yeah. But. Uh, What I will say to them on a regular basis is those of you who come from really dedicated church backgrounds, homeschooled, um, memorized the books of the Bible when you were three, all that sort of thing, and then those of you who come to me basically as unwilling pagans who are required to take a GE course in Old Testament, you both have the same problem. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they'll look at me like, how can we have the same problem? And the problem is this, for both the kid with the flannel graph and the kid with no exposure to the Bible, none of these people are real. Yeah. They're either living in their ivory towers and they've never actually struggled, or they literally aren't real. They're just mm-hmm. fictitious characters that someone made up along the way. Yeah. So one of my jobs, and I think one of the funnest part of my jobs, is to rehabilitate these characters and to put flesh on them and personalities on them and watch my students' faces when they're like, oh, that was really hard. Oh, he was really scared. Oh, that must have broken her heart. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, real people. Because once, Mm -hmm. for both of those groups, once they step into the space where these are real people, empathy starts rolling. Mm -hmm. And when that empathy starts rolling and they start connecting to their people, which is another big part of my theme, Mm -hmm. um, then the examples of faith that are offered to us in the text become powerful. And before Mm -hmm. those people are real, the messages of faith aren't powerful. And probably tagging into your other favorite word, ethnocentrism. Um, I just like big words. I know. It's a, it's a cool word. It is. You're uh, an etymology guy. Yeah, you That's are. Right. Uh-huh. Etymology guy. Uh-huh. I, would, I would say that feeds into the same issue. Mm-hmm. Because, as I'll say in, in the book and, and in the videos, although there's something beautiful about the fact that we put our own faces on the biblical characters— when we strip them of their own faces because of our ethnocentrism, when we strip them of their culture, of their value system, their worldview, and the way they do things, then once again, we've stripped them of being real people. And we are not only missing the story, we, we are not engaging the actual characters of this great narrative. And who would want to read Harry Potter and know nothing about him? You know? That's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a really good point. Thank you. My son loves Harry Potter. Well, y'all love yeah. Harry Potter. 
Yeah. Yes. So I haven't read them. I've watched the movies. <laughs> you have a nine-year-old, right? Is what you said? Well, I have a nine-year-old and I have a twelve-year-old uh, son. Oh, so they're they're has, in the zone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he has consumed all of the Harry Potter, and when I I use that word consume <laughs> strongly, right? Because <Right. laughs> that's what he did with it. And he's waiting for his letter from Hogwarts. I'm going to guess. Probably. Yeah. yeah. And you missed his eleventh birthday unless you sent it for him. Oh, bummer. See. I know. <laughs> Parenting fail, right? Still right on there. That Major fail. Mm -hmm. Jennifer, do you have any other questions? Any other tidbits? I guess well, I've got a couple, just like two. Hopefully they won't be uh, too long. So how did you get even get started in Old Testament mm. studies and oh, specifically Deuteronomy? Like what, I mean, did you just wake up from a nap one day and decide, I'm going to do I'll, Deuteronomy stuff? Yes, do Deuteronomy <laughs> stuff and Old Testament stuff. Uh, like, how did, you, how did you settle into that? Yeah, and it's, uh, it can be a long story or a short story. I'll try to make it the shorter end. It, it's certainly been a journey. I did not wake up one morning saying I was going to do Deuteronomy stuff or that I was even going to do Old Testament. I started off by getting saved and having my life transformed and uh, having good people discipling me and wound up very aware that I had some sort of call to ministry. What what does that mean and how am I going to follow mm -hmm. it? And as a good Catholic kid raised in a Jewish neighborhood, what does it even mean to have a call to ministry? So I went to a little Christian college and I trained for ministry and I went into youth pastoring and then I became an associate and I you know, did all of these different things that were kind of like a cattle shoot running me toward this ultimate goal. And... Um, Honestly, it was a denomination that didn't want me would be the final catalyst because I was credentialed, I was in ministry, and they just were not keen on women or uh, education. Both of those things made them very uncomfortable, and those were kind of my identity and my gifting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I wound up with some encouragement um, uh, exploring being in the classroom. And when I started exploring being in the classroom, that required me to explore graduate school. And I was very much of the posture that Jesus is coming back next week. Why do I want to waste my childbearing years and $100,000 going to get a PhD? You know, that's just crazy. And as God kept narrowing the shoot, it became apparent that if I was going to teach, that was exactly what I was going to have to do. And I had no confidence that I was going to be able to do it. The barriers, the hurdles were impossible. And one after one, just God just kept pulling the barriers out of the way. And the next thing I know, I was enrolled in the Hebrew Bible major of the Near Eastern Languages and Civilizations Department at Harvard University. <laughs> you got to be kidding. <laughs> and uh, so that's where the Old Testament stuff came from. It really was, you know, honestly, I'm seeing in my mind either a really good little sheepdog or a god with a really big stick just kind of whacking me left, whacking me right until I walked through the right door. And um, the Deuteronomy stuff, 
<laughs> it's a, almost an equally ridiculous story. I had to do a seminar when I was starting my PhD. They call it the 200 seminar at Harvard. Mm -hmm. okay. And that's what they call it, but we call it the hazing ritual. <laughs> So <laughs> really enjoyable experience. Oh, so traumatic. So your job is to write a paper that's supposed to be publishable. The entire department and a squad of faculty join. Somebody critiques your paper and they rip you apart for two hours. It's it's wonderful. Really good for your self-esteem. That's making me sweat right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was assigned a particular topic that had to do with the nature of the presence of God in the temple in Old Testament religion. That was the topic. As I began to explore it, I crashed into something called the name theology. We won't even go there. It, it's all bound up in Deuteronomy. I wrote the paper. I got beaten up for two hours. Um, but I, I had moved into new territory. And although that made a lot of people angry, mm -hmm. it also captured a lot of people's attention. Oh, I bet. And so that new territory eventually became my dissertation. And from that point onward, I was Deuteronomy girl. <laughs> yes. All the Deuteronomy stuff. I know. I do the Deuteronomy <laughs> stuff. So That's fantastic. I'm kind of thinking about, you know, I am Deuteronomy girl, you are Pentateuch man. One day I will be Pentateuch man as well. Somebody know. needs to write yeah. a, uh, a comic strip of that. Uh -huh. There's a, a Christian comic strip artist. Maybe we need to enlist him to mm, write Academic a, jokes? Yeah. They'll, uh -huh. they'll be, you know, 75 of us who laugh really hard. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, Pearson draws cartoons. Oh, he does. He That's draws. right. Okay. Oh, we, we need to task him with making a character, Deuteronomy Girl. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I think we're about at our time limit okay. now. Okay. Good. Uh, so I want to thank you for taking the time Absolutely. to chat with us. This has been a, just a fantastic conversation. Mm. And I'm going to turn to the camera and I'm going to tell those people who are listening and or watching that... You need to go ahead and give us a like. Give us five stars. This <laughs> is probably the most five-star podcast that we've ever done. So uh, definitely give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Do it, do it, do it. That's right. Yeah. And uh, subscribe if you haven't already and all that stuff. And I guess with that, if we have no other comments, I'll say thanks for listening, and we will see you all next time. Mm -hmm.